Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. Hey everybody, this is Reba and Allison, and welcome to Rooted Deep, a podcast where we hope that you find ways to anchor your life into the truths of God's word so that you really can grow. And not only grow, Allison, but you know, we talk about this all the time. It's one thing to be anchored, it's another thing to grow, but it's also another thing to be able just to weather the storms of life. Right, exactly. Grow, uh, grow in the way that you're bearing fruit, but you're also standing strong, like you said, even when. Uh, even when there's storms, even when there's, you know, just some crumbling around you, you've got those roots all, you know, spread out. Because that's what I felt. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like there's crumbling going on. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm hanging on. I really am hanging on. Uh, yeah, you know, we had a huge storm uh, just a couple nights ago here in Chattanooga. They they warned us it was coming. It's flashing across the television, everything. So, you know, it's going to be bad when every five minutes there's a warning going across the TV. 60 mile an hour winds, hail, mm. and and it just came out of nowhere. The wind was truly about 60 miles an hour. We had hail, lasted for about 30 minutes, and then it just, as, soon, as fast as it came, it left. But there were trees that didn't make it. Mm-hmm. During that, just that 30 minutes of really hard wind, wow. after it was all over with, I walked around my neighborhood and there were trees that were, that had broken off or laying over. And Probably if we were to get to the bottom of it, we would find that some of those trees trees had already started to be dead on the inside because their roots were weak. Uh, the, you know, what was happening at the root level was not nourishing the tree at a level that that tree could withstand something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it's just a great reminder for all of us and why we think this podcast is important that you take the time to get rooted personally. So that as whether you're a mom, a businesswoman, whether you're a missionary, a pastor's wife, no matter what your role is in life, that you are standing strong in that role. Because it's vitally important to do that if you want your life to count. Exactly. And talking about roots, my my husband and I just took a trip a few months ago and we were able to um, explore. And Gary does this a lot within his kayak and explore uh, in the mangroves. Uh, around mm. in on the east side of, of of our island and that's where um one of the boat captains was telling us when a hurricane's coming they take all of the boats and they bring them into the mangrove area because okay. the roots are the roots grow from the top of the tree and go down the roots aren't don't start at the bottom they go up and then they go down and so i got it they're more, it's a more protected environment because those, that whole entire root system uh, is, a, is above the water and below and they keep growing and connecting mm. to each other. And it's beautiful because uh, when you ask them about the storms, they're like, when a storm's coming, we bring all of our boats and they keep them in the water, but they just keep them inside these mangrove areas, these tiny little inlets that is just an entire strong root system but it protects all of it you know and I just thought that was really interesting because that's and and they they just they look pretty but when you go through there you see so many birds and and uh, so many uh, you know different wildlife take shelter but then Mm -hmm. humans and their boats you know took shelter yeah I thought that was really interesting here on the island talking about rooted deep so mm, that, that is. And, you know, today we are continuing our discussion about women 
who impacted history in mm -hmm. profound ways. And what we've learned, I think, uh, we looked at Elizabeth Elliot and we looked at yeah. her life and how, man, she went through it. Today, we're going to talk about Fanny Crosby. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find that she went through it. Yeah. And so it's rare to find a woman who impacted history or anyone for that matter, who had a massive impact on history, who doesn't have a story of struggle and storm yeah. and, and hardship at some level. Right. And I think that's, that's interesting about Elizabeth Elliot and about Fanny Crosby is because most of them are known for one thing. But then when you start digging, you start seeing where their storms were and what they've, what they've overcome and what they've actually done besides what they're generally known for. I think we've learned a lot, um, you know, just as we look through our list and the list of the, some of the women that we're going to be talking about in the future. It's really interesting because I learned, I thought I knew one thing about them, but then when you read where their struggle started or where mm -hmm. their storm began and yep. what that allowed them to do on top of, you know, just kind of that, what they're known for. I think that was, that's the interesting part, especially Fanny Crosby. I was fascinated. Yeah. You know, Fanny Crosby is, and for, again, one of the reasons we wanted to do this was because we felt like there is a generation of people who don't know who these women are and they're really not aware, uh, or they don't know their stories. You know, maybe they know their name, but they don't really yeah. know their story. And Fanny Crosby is one of these people mm -hmm. who she really was the Chris Tomlin of yeah. the 1800s. Okay. Uh, I mean, so you just think about the Chris Tomlin of the 1800s, Fanny Crosby was it. And she was born in 1820 in New York. You know, here's this woman who obviously is born during, um, you know, a long time ago, uh, during a, a, a time that looks very different than today. And so because of that, she got an eye infection at six weeks old. And that eye infection was not handled correctly. Whatever, yeah. there, there's, there's a lot of ups and downs as to what went wrong. But whatever... However, she was treated, it, it was not the right treatment. And as a result, she lost her eyesight at, you know, as just an infant. You know, I can't imagine her mother and her dad, they've got this brand new six-week-old baby that gets an eye infection. And then the next thing you know, they have a baby that's blind. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then what? Yeah. And, and what, and, and, and back, back in those times, and you hate to say it back in the day, but in the 1820s, uh, a girl... And a blind girl is not really, it's just, it's more of a burden than anything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just oh, what, what to do with this blind child. But, you know, her father died when she was still a baby. So then she was raised by her mother and her grandmother. And I just, I think her education from there, her mother um, really just made it a point to, I, it doesn't matter that she's blind. It doesn't matter that she's a little girl. We're going, she's still going to, she's still going to learn to read. She's still going to learn to, to oh, function. And, and her mother was a huge, a huge asset in her education. And she's one, she was very well educated for her time and for her gender, actually. Oh, absolutely. Because you're exactly right. A lot of people took blind children or children mm -hmm. with any kind of handicap and put them away in in institutions uh because they didn't know how to handle them but here you've got fanny's mother whose name i love her name was mercy mm -hmm. crosby so you've got mercy crosby this this powerful mother who's got a blind child now she's lost her husband and now she's like you know what no we're i'm going to teach my child how to read braille I'm going to provide her with access to books and literature. She's going to get an education. I'm going to educate her. Yeah. 
And then at the age of 15, she enrolled Fanny in the New York Institute for the Blind. Fanny continued her education, and that's where she began to realize that she had musical skills and talents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she was, I mean, she was writing poetry. She was memorizing scripture and she, uh, yeah. And so all of this education, I think is fascinating again, because, you know, when you have a blind child and a dead husband, Mercy Crosby, you know, is, is kind of that mm. wind beneath the wings there, you know, just not yeah. giving up and, and <laughs> having, you know, we just talked about storms, you know, she had to create that good environment because they were in a storm, just a long struggle. Um, especially during that time period in history. Absolutely. And I think it's good, you know, not that we're going to make applicable lessons all the way through this, but I'm going to tell you, I do think this is one. Everybody's going to go through things that you don't want to go through or things that you mm -hmm. didn't expect to come. And I just think there's just one of two ways you're going to do this. We're either going to throw in the towel and quit and just mm -hmm. say, you know what, I can't do this. This is too hard. I, I have an excuse now for why. I can't live the life that other people live or get it done. Or there's the other side of things. And I can say, you know what? No, I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm going to be brave and courageous and I'm going to push through this. And I think that's what Mercy yeah. Crosby did. Yeah. And as a result, yeah. she poured that into her blind mm -hmm. little girl who in turn, suddenly at the age of 15, gets a chance to go to New York Institute for the Blind begins to flourish in her poetry writing and in her lyric writing. And yeah. the next thing you know, she's collaborating with musicians mm -hmm. and composers yeah. who are going to put her words to music. Mm -hmm. And and she's one of the most prolific hymn writers in, in, in history. In history, yeah, exactly. And and not, I think it was, it was interesting because I love some of the songs that we know of, I think are so beautiful and we're going to get to those lyrics very soon and I know that a lot of people might might know and might be able to recognize it's like it's almost like you know it's a Fanny Crosby song when she talks about those she uses the word sight or eyes or or um you or see you know and there's so there's always a little bit of element of of wanting to see her the yeah. face of her savior or understanding and I think that's I that's so fascinating because she didn't, because she was blind at such an early age, she, she didn't, she hadn't seen anything ever. Yeah. Right. And not so that she, she can remember, right? Not yeah. That she can remember. I mean, at six weeks, you know, so it's interesting that that's, that's one of the themes. And it's, it's so funny because I'll be singing along a hymn and I'm like, oh, there's something about eyes. I wonder if Fanny, Fanny Crosby wrote this song. And, you know, <laughs> it, and most of the time it's, it's interesting. Um, but also, and so we're, pro we're probably going to talk about some of those lyrics, but I think, think it's interesting during this same time that she is ed being educated and writing hymns and poetry, she becomes quite an advocate and lobbyist for blind, for the blind yes. in her area. She's not, I, I guess, my, I was mistaken by thinking she was a, a tiny little woman with weird glasses because you have, if you, if you look right. her up, it's kind of a weird looking picture and I'm like. Sure. Those glasses help at all. Um, you know, and so you think she's just a, you know, that time period, she's probably sitting in a corner just writing hymns. That's, that's great. That's wonderful. But no, she was, she was, she's considered a missionary. She's considered yes. an advocate for blind education. She was a lobbyist. She's the first woman to speak in front of the Joint Houses of Congress. I think that 
when she when she recited her, a poem. I think that's amazing because that's something I didn't know about her. So when you think about somebody like Fanny Crosby and the amount of it, it, it comes from a storm. It comes from a mm. passionate um, love for God and for what he's done in spite of or through the storm or that, you know, and hit her understanding of who God is. Um, but that, it, it all goes back. I really feel like it all does go back to her mother. Yeah. You know, I, I read something that said that Fanny, Fanny herself made this statement that she did not see her blindness as a tragedy, but as a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to tell you, Allison, yeah. <laughs> if, you know, I, I, we've, I've played this game before with friends. You know, if you had to lose your sight or lose your hearing, which would you choose? And I promise you, I'm choosing, I'm losing my hearing every single mm-hmm. time. I don't want to lose my sight. Uh, because obviously that's so much a part of how we how we perceive the world around us mm-hmm. is through our, our our vision. And to lose our sight, I think would be overwhelming to anybody. But she's like, you know what? I don't see this as a tragedy. I see this as a gift because here, this is what she said. She believed that her visual impairment allowed her to see more clearly with her heart mm-hmm. and with her spirit. And that's why she believed that she could write these lyrics, she could write these poems, that she could speak into some things that really connect with us. It's why her hymns were so popular. The Mm -hmm. words connected with people and they resonated at a really deep level with a lot of people. And so therefore, man, we wanted to sing her songs and we still sing her songs today. And so I think that, you know, this is is a huge statement coming from her that her faith in Mm -hmm. God she said was a guiding light. Um, so even though she was physically blind, maybe mm-hmm. Beanie Crosby saw things that we didn't, right. that we would sight couldn't see. And she was able to express gratitude and blessing and all kinds of things. And you'll see those things in her lyrics as well. Yeah. This is not a sour woman who's mad at the world. This is a woman right. who feels blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and in her missionary and ad- again, Anybody, I mean, I just think of myself and I, you know, I was just feeling tired and worn out the other day. So I took a break, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think those breaks are important, but at the same time, she was, she could have used her blindness Mm -hmm. to say, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to sit this one out. But even when things got tough, like, you know, there was a cholera outbreak in New York city. So instead of moving out and protecting herself, Mm -hmm. She moved further into the um, the hot zone, the 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 um, the poorest areas to nurse people back to health, and it's you know, and again, these are details that I just thought Fanny Crosby hymn writer. I didn't, you right. know, and so that one went, and she had that she had the ability and she had the opportunity to um, to make more money than she did, but she she lived on what she could live on and she gave everything else away. I, and I think that yeah. might've been what caused a little bit of marital tension. Um, if you know, if you, if you dig a little deeper, cause it's like, Hey, wait a minute. Um, but at the same time, she really did live not for this world. And yeah. that was, I think that was, that was really interesting in a detail. I did not know as far as her mission work. She's also writing thousands of hymns. You know, Allison, one of the things I think there's a remarkable story about Beanie Crosby Uh, that involves her meeting President Grover Cleveland. Mm. So again, she's speaking before Congress. She's meeting with presidents. So this is the the profound impact this this woman's uh, life is having. This is what I loved about this story. 
It says that while she was on this visit to the White House, President Cleveland asked her about the secret of her success as a hymn writer. And the president thought she would talk about her musical training or about her extensive theological knowledge, which she obviously has, as you can see that poured out in her writing. But this was Fanny Crosby's response to the president about the question he asked her about why she was so good at writing hymns. This was her quote. She said, my secret is I have been blind since shortly after birth. I have never seen the beautiful things in this world. But when I get to heaven, the first face I will ever see will be that of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that that just kind of sums up the attitude of her life. She's got this humility. She's got a deep sense of faith. And I think when we see her, I mean, here she is speaking to the president of the United States. You know, yeah. um, surely this was the opportunity to talk about her training, uh, you know, her her theology, all of these things. And yet she says, no, you know, uh, her, this is the story goes on and says her response not only left a lasting impression on President Cleveland, but continues to inspire people today. And I mm -hmm. think that is so true, you know, as she's, meeting with presidents. And in the 1800s, this woman has this massive impact. Like you said, socially, she's fighting for the rights of the blind. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a missionary to those who are less fortunate and are in difficult places. She's meeting with presidents. She's speaking to Congress. And mm -hmm. she's writing hymns that we're still singing today. Yeah. Um, and and I think we probably should go there because yeah. maybe there's people sitting there and saying, okay, Beanie Crosby, what did she what write? Did she and uh -huh. I think what's interesting before we jump into these, these new, these hymns, okay. uh, the hymns before uh, when people, you know, because, you know, there's always critics around and they, they really, they, she make, she kind of shifted from hymns that talked about just like, our sinful nature and like dark it was it went from like the human condemnation which you know we all know okay. yes we're sinners but mm -hmm. there was a shift and one of i one of her one of her critics were like she kind of got it they were almost sappy because oh. they were more positive yeah than these old kind of dirges that were uh, you know think about martin luther's uh, martin luther's song yes. um, a mighty fortress is our god just more um kind of dark and deep and maybe um very uh very you know very uh towards More formal yeah very formal and very you know not, uh, very like our condemnation and sinfulness sure. and all of that and we do need to sing about that and there's elements of that in her but when we talk about her hymns they're all about their blessed assurance you know they're mm. all about you know, those, yeah. those um, I, it, it kind of brought hymns to a, a, a higher level of um, just maybe emotion, but mm -hmm. in a, but in a more positive way. And so looking at our savior as, you know, somebody, something to look forward to, not that, um, that dark yes. you know, punisher. I think that was what, what the themes were before. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is what gave people a, a powerful connection. I mean, you know, how does how does Fanny Crosby get to the White House? That was one of my questions. Yeah. You know, how does this little woman get to the White House? Well, the only thing I can really think of, and I don't know how she got to the White House, but you know what? Grover Cleveland is standing in church on a Sunday singing her song. Right. <laughs> right? And just like today, we stand in church and maybe we sing a song written by Phil Witham or we sing a mm -hmm. song written by, 
you know, Chris Tomlin, or we sing a song and, you know, they're, they're standing in church in this day. And a lot of people went to church in this day. I mean, almost everybody goes to church in the, in, in the 1800s because, you know, it's uh, kind of taboo not to. Everybody's, you know, a lot of people are standing in church and they're singing blessed assurance. Jesus mm -hmm. is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Yeah. Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, that was written in 1873. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's one of her most favorite and loved songs. Um, and, and what does it connect to? You're right, Allie. Not only does it connect to assurance, but it also connects to joy that's found in salvation. And I think that's what you were just saying. Yeah. It, it suddenly, instead of being a more uh, serious song mm -hmm. uh, about flexion of, of our sin and our hardships, it becomes a song that reflects on the goodness of God, the joy of God, yeah. and it becomes uplifting instead of yeah. instead of really reflective. It becomes a super uplifting anthem, if you would. And Blessed Assurance is, is yeah, it is truly an anthem. I mean, we still right. mix it even in our current praise and worship songs. It, yeah. it flows through all the time. It does. My, um, I really love I Am Thine, O Lord is, is also another one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I, every once in a while, I have a, I do have a piano here at the house and every once in a while we'll sit down and we'll just go through the hymn book and, um, and sing and we'll try, I'll try to be harmonizing, you know, I'll try to harmonize with him and I'll try to pick out the notes a little bit, you know, and some of these songs, blessed assurance, I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me, but I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to, drawn to thee. And I, it, when you, when you, it just thinks about, um, they're very uplifting songs. Yes. I think the songs before Fanny Crosby might've been just a little bit more, okay, now we feel beat down. There were more dirges. They were kind of, they were not as, um, as peppy. uplifting. I think of that, yeah. peppy. Uh, you know, peppy yeah. for the 1870s, I guess, but you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we've got songs like to God be the glory, you know, mm -hmm. and we think about that to God be the glory, great right. things. He okay. So that's a, song right well if it's done right it's a peppy song yeah, exactly, um, yeah. and so but it talks about god's glory and his power and his redemption mm -hmm. and all the way my savior leads me which yes. is probably one of my favorite if not my favorite fanny crosby song leaning into the trust and the confidence mm -hmm. in god's guidance and that song has been redone so many times in fact i just heard it last week uh in my car on the praise and worship station by one of our current artists. Uh, so all the way my savior leads me, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Mm -hmm. Pass me pass not, me not. Yeah. yeah, pass mm -hmm. me not, oh gentle savior. Uh, rescue the perishing. Mm -hmm. And then this is one I did not know she wrote, uh, but it's redeemed how I love to proclaim it. And I remember growing up singing that song and had no idea that Fanny Crosby actually mm -hmm. ended up writing that song. Uh, and you were sharing an interesting fact about uh, her having to write under some pseudonyms. So tell, share with about that, because I just think that's very interesting. Well, she was writing, I think at one point she could write six or seven a day hymns. And so she oh, ended up between her hymns, as well as her patriotic songs and all of, uh, you know, and the poetry yeah. and everything. Um, she churned out around 8,000 hymns, specifically hymns. And so wow. the publishers had to start writing. She, some of her, a lot of her songs had to be written under a pseudonym because publishers and hymn, hymnals didn't want the entire hymn book to be just Fanny Crosby songs. And so some of these names, I don't have them in front of me, but she had to write under a pseudonym because the hymnals, you know, they were like, enough with the Fanny Crosby, we've got to get another name in here, you know? And so anyway, yeah. they were probably, and the publishers probably didn't want, 
because it's easier just to pay her for her lyrics than to all of a sudden publish an entire book of pieces written by her, you know? And so, uh, you know, there was, there was some exploitation, obviously, as there is, you know, um, especially back in the day, number one with women and number two in the publishing world of just, you know, pay, I'll pay you a dollar for the hymns. Now they're not yours anymore. Um, yeah. kind of situation, but I thought that was, that was really interesting. So there's songs oh, yeah. out there that we don't so even I know grabbed, she wrote. I grabbed some of her pseudonyms. Okay. So mm-hmm. Kate Grinham is one of her pseudonyms. <laughs> okay. okay. She also wrote uh, under the pseudonym, which is really close to her own name, but F.J. Crosby. Okay. And then Elizabeth, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this last name right, but it's Clefane, C-L-E-P-H-A-N-E. I think it would be Elizabeth C. Clefane. That's actually Fanny Crosby. Now, obviously, the majority of hymns were under her name. Yeah. But this Grenham and Clefane are some of her pseudonames Pseudonyms, um, yeah. that she did write under, which is really, I That's think, interesting. Uh, an interesting, interesting thing um, about her life. So here's this woman who lives in the 1800s. She's born. She gets an eye infection. She goes blind. Her mother educates her, teaches her how to read Braille. She goes on to the New York Institute for the Blind. She becomes a woman who is generating thousands and thousands of hymns, and many of them well-known and still have lived yeah. and tested the time of being able still to be sung today in our churches and, and you know, many times redone by artists over and over again. Yeah. Um, and all of the things, and, and she has such an impact on the community that the rights that she fought for with the blind mm-hmm. as well as the poor the, i mean this woman is like when you think about her she her life impacted in such a strong way it would be a shame for us to miss out on her life and not to talk about her yeah even even though she's been dead for many many years yeah yeah she's been dead for over 100 years but could you can you imagine the impact that somebody has such an impact that people are still talking about your work a hundred years later. And Mm -hmm. it's because it's not because it's, it's not because of necessarily it's because of what you wrote, because one of the first songs I learned on the trumpet, a a very tiny little blip in my, you you played the trumpet. I did play the trumpet. Oh my word. Okay. Just for a, just for a, my senior year of high school, I decided to learn the trumpet and they wanted to put me in the band. And I thought they were going to put me in the marching band, but they were going to put me in the elementary band. And um, okay. I, was, I thought, mm-hmm. well, nah. um, I'm no. about the same height as those elementary children. But <laughs> anyway, the first song I, I, ta- I learned on the trumpet was praise him, praise him, Jesus, my blessed redeemer. And, uh-huh. and what I'm saying is what she, what, what she because she started every she sat down and prayed before she wrote every hymn Mm. that was one that was one thing that she did she you know it sounds maybe it sounds cheesy today but that's how you create a lasting legacy is to put it Mm -hmm. in god's hands and say you know you've given me this talent you've put this in my hand you put this desire in my heart to serve you i'm gonna start she started every hymn with prayer and so all of those hymns are still being talked about a hundred more than a hundred years later, because it was it was dedicated to him. It wasn't about yeah. Fanny Crosby. It was I want to sh- I want the I want the spotlight and I want the eyes that I don't have. I want everybody's eyes to be on to be on him. And that's why we're talking about him today. Oh, absolutely! And boy, did she ever do that in her songs? 
mm-hmm. um, you know, so many that just uplift and reflect on on who God was and His truths. So if you um, if you're listening right now, and you're going, "Oh my word, I forgot about Fanny Crosby," or you know, "Hey, I didn't realize that you know some of my favorite, maybe some of my favorite hymns were written by her." You may want to mm-hmm. dig a little deeper into her life. Now, you know, there are biographies that have been written about her life, uh, several. I'll give you just a couple in case you're just dying to know. Uh, Rebecca Davis wrote Fanny Crosby, the Queen of Gospel Songs. And then uh, Bernard Ruffin wrote Fanny Crosby, the hymn writer. Um, Robert J. Morgan wrote Fanny Crosby, the woman and her songs. Uh, And then there's another one, Fanny Crosby, newly discovered hymns and songs that was edited by Diana Matthews. And so I would encourage you if you feel like, wow, you know, um, I have really gotten into this a little bit and would love to hear a little bit more about this woman and her life. I would encourage you to get out on your Kindle or go online or go to your public library or, you know, whatever way, find one of these biographies about Mm -hmm. her life and read and read them. Um, And maybe what I think, Allison, what is even cooler, maybe if you don't have time to read the book is to go back and maybe go to your playlist Mm -hmm. and add a couple of Fanny Crosby songs to your playlist for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And just maybe listen to some of your favorite artists mm-hmm. sing yeah. the, the the impactful words that she wrote hundreds of years ago that are still right. speaking to us today. I think I want to do that myself. I've been inspired. It does. And it's I don't know if you remember buying a cassette tape and finding the getting the lyrics and pulling that sleeve yes. out. And listening to the song as you're reading the lyrics. I think that's really important. So as you add these songs to the playlist and and listen and just kind of let these words wash over you, take a look at the take a look at these lyrics Mm -hmm. because they are they're beautiful and and uplifting, like I said, and they really will kind of bring you back to um to looking at, you know, and looking at Christ through Fanny Crosby's eyes, which I think is, you know, is a is a beautiful thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think I'll leave you with maybe with one of her most famous, if not her most famous song, uh, was Blessed Assurance. And, uh, you know, if just being reminded um, of that song and the chorus, though, is what I think really connects us, um, is that this is my story. This is my song. Uh, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. And I think for us, you know, Fanny Crosby shared her life story through her songs. We share our life story in some way. And so, you know, we all have a story to tell. And our story is the greatness of God changing our hearts and lives in a way that will impact for eternity just like it did hers so i hope this is all of our stories i hope this is all of our songs and if not uh maybe this causes you to really reflect on your life and say wow you know is this uh is are these words that she so uh, majestically and poetically penned uh, do they resonate with my soul Mm, and um and that's that's just fantastic stuff yeah yeah that's awesome. I love it. I am going to go back and listen to a few of these, but when, uh, when we're done here. 
Uh, so good. So good. All right. Well, listen, thanks for joining the podcast today. We hope you've enjoyed uh, this time of talking about Phoebe Crosby. Uh, we're good. For the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear about a different uh, woman uh, who's impacted history. And we're excited to kind of give you a chance to look into their lives. And, and hopefully uh, you'll enjoy enough to extend a little bit and read a little bit more. So until next time, have a great day and stay really deep. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.